I'm Francis Seeley from Global Net 21, and I'd like to welcome you to this podcast. We do many podcasts that look at some of the big issues that affect us in the world today. And today we're going to look at climate change, but we're going to look at it from a community base. We're going to look at how one organisation in South East London, in Lewisham, has tried to involve the community in doing something about the climate change issue. And in this interview, we're going to talk to Camila Behrens and Giovanni Speciali. They've set up a, a local cooperative, and that cooperative raises money to provide solar panels to schools and to homes. They've also set up an advice service to help those who are in poverty deal with the insulation of their own homes, and they have a retrofit specialist to do that. We're going to talk to them how they do that. We're going to talk to them how they involve the community. And we're going to talk to them about their plans for the future. So let's start by asking them why they got involved with this. And we'll begin with Camila. So let's listen to hear what she says. Um, well, thank you very much for inviting us. It's um, great to be able to talk about what we're doing to um, a wide audience, audience outside um, South East London. Um, for me personally, uh, I've been involved in sort of climate change activism for probably 25 years now. Uh, and um, I've spent most of that time trying to tell governments what not to do. Um, in terms of um, bad ideas or, or sort of inertia uh, on the subject of climate change. And uh, it was really only when uh, I met G, Giovanna, and uh, she told me about the project she was planning. And it seemed such a very um, exciting and proactive response to the uh, climate change issue um, that uh, for once I was starting to say yes uh, rather than no. Uh, and that, to me, um, is a, a real sort of uh, essential part of activism. I think it's still important to say no when um, the governments are making bad decisions or moving in the wrong direction. But equally, it's uh, important to show uh, them and the wider community uh, what can be done to uh, reach uh, sustainable solutions in the future as well. And Giovanna, what led you to the journey you're on? Um, I think... Uh, very similar to Camilla. And yes, thank you for inviting us. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, my journey is very similar, I think, to Camilla. I, I, I've been involved in climate change activism for a long time. Um, did, uh, I've done a lot of uh, NVDA, uh, was involved in climate camp back in the day. Um, I think there came a point, and I remember it very clearly back in 2009, where I was reading a book about climate change on a tube train and I burst into floods of tears because I realised this was so big and um, I felt very disempowered uh, being that person who was always on the outside of a building shouting at the people on the inside um, and, um, and, and I think that's when my journey, uh, it took me a long time to get to to the point of um, thinking about setting up Celsi, but um, it was about finding a way in which we can use that grassroots um, grassroots pressure to bring people together 
Um, and community energy is a way of doing that, working together and to practically achieve uh, that transition. Okay, so in doing that, you set up a cooperative that you call the South East London Community Energy, CELSA, uh, if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, maybe Camilla, you can tell us about that. Why did you choose that avenue? Well, I mean, uh, for me, it was uh, just a case of it, it just seemed like a great idea that G was proposing. And to put it into context, um, I was running back in, in 2014, I was running a, a local Greenpeace supporters group um, supporting uh, and spreading the word about uh, Greenpeace campaigns. And I just got a, an email uh, out of the blue um, with a sort of very um, interesting and um, a powerful message coming through saying I, I want to try and um, increase the amount of renewable energy in southeast London I thought wow that's uh, pretty ambitious um, but doable so uh, I arranged for um, the sender of this email which turned out to be Giovanna um, to come to one of our Greenpeace meetings and she explained the model um, and the model is was really interesting and innovative and as I understand it was um, introduced by the coalition government um, it's, a, it's a kind of way of, sort of getting um, communities to fund their own projects um, through uh, a subsidy on renewable energy um, and the creation of rene re renewable energy and there are three benefits from this particular model the first is that you can raise funds really quickly I mean we were raising hundreds of thousands of pounds in a matter of weeks um, so that was the first one, um, quick fundraising. The second one was, uh, as G explained to us um, later, as we, we began to form uh, a group of uh, some board of directors, was it was all about redemocratizing energy. It was um, renewable energy has amazing potential for um, communities taking back the, the not only the, the power to generate their own electricity, but to decide how to use it. Uh, and that was a really um, amazing uh, departure from you know the the, the 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 energy giants and and the sort of domination of, of high bills and um, the, the, the the vulnerable really suffering as a result um, and I think the that was the, the the third thing that really sold it for me was that um, the proposition that she was putting forward was to actually um, use the fund the surplus that we raised from these projects. Um, to, to pour back into our own communities and to support the most vulnerable, particularly those who were struggling with their energy bills and were really in, in danger or had been trapped in fuel poverty. And by that, I mean, um, you know, having, having to choose between um, paying their energy bills or putting food on the table. Well, let, let's um, talk. Let's talk about the yeah, fuel poverty. And, the fuel poverty in a minute. But how? How? how just something G mentioned earlier she said she was involved in the NVDA and I think maybe quite a few people won't know what that means and because we've both been involved in it uh, but it means non-violent direct action so it means you know peaceful protests that are colorful and yeah. imaginative. Uh, uh, okay but what I, I mean I think what people want to know we can go into all the other stuff in a minute but I mean you're sort of want to produce clean energy recyclable energy uh, you want to address climate change, but how do you actually do that? I mean, you're not in there in a power station developing your own energy, are you? And uh, a wind turbine outside. I mean, how does it work in practice? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing, really. So um, the, the, the way it works is that uh, we, we do something called a community share offer. And that essentially is 
going to people like you or our neighbors uh, and everybody we know and to say now we want to put uh, solar panels on community buildings and in our case we specialize predominantly in um, putting solar panels on primary schools um, because we feel that um, this is a community building it's very valued it's very important and um, you know obviously education is very underfunded so schools really can't afford to do it themselves so we form a partnership with those schools uh, and we say right well we're going to raise that money for you we're going to install those solar panels for you and so we go to our friends and our contacts and everybody else and say please help us raise money and it's going to be a lot of money you know tens but hundreds of thousands of pounds and um, if you put money in the pot then we will pay you a dividend every year uh, of around three or four percent so you know better than the average bank or the average ISA would be offering at the moment and that's like a thank you you know that that's your, that's for, for your support and we can do that because up until very recently the government was paying a subsidy get a little bit of money to everybody who was generating uh, renewable energy and also you got a little bit of an income by uh, selling your surplus back to the national grid so we use that surplus um, to pay our investors back and anything that was left over from that investment we ploughed back into our community projects. So that, that's a sort of interesting model isn't it? I mean it's something which is, is done on a community basis and you're acting as a catalyst and a funder for local people who want to actually you know reduce their carbon emissions. So Giovanni is this a model that you developed in your own mind or did you get this from somewhere else? No, of course. Uh, um, we sealed and we, we stole and copied. <laughs> so, um, As we all do. There were, there were yes, there, uh, there were a number of pioneering community groups uh, around the country um, who had developed this way of working. Um, we really jumped on... Um, we really jumped on a, a bandwagon that was, at the time, being supported by the coalition government. So just before our formation, the coalition government released something called the Community Energy Strategy to promote this way of working. Um, and it seemed far too good to resist. Look, here is a model that can be truly transformatory. And suddenly the government, a government, appears to be supporting it. Now, things got a lot rougher for us um, as time has gone on because um, successive governments have been less and less keen to support renewable energy. Um, but um, it's, there are at least 200 groups uh, across the UK that are using this same model. I think what is different about what CSE did was that we brought together um, sort of ideas about energy democracy and energy justice. So we were one of the first groups to say, okay, we're going to generate a financial surplus here. We're going to use that surplus for doing work with the most vulnerable families in our local area. And we developed a whole stream of work that really is about providing one-to-one -one personalized advice to those people who are having to choose between heating and eating. Um, and so, you know, we, we were very much bringing together those two struggles. Yeah, but then... Um... It's a cooperative model, isn't it? And I gather you have a board of directors and on the board there are a lot of women because you believe, don't you, that women play a predominant role in developing resilient communities. Is, is, that, is that your view? Are we men no good at that? <laughs> it just happened. I mean, the thing is that 
um, you know, well, I did a shout out uh, initially uh, alongside, and um, I should mention my colleague Alex Hartley was very was there at the very beginning. We did a shout out. Um, some um, this amazing group of people came together with the right combination of skills. Many of them were women, and I think what happens when you are a female. Um, female leaders, I guess, or, or, or people leading the, the organization, it attracts other women. It gives permission for other women to be involved. Um, and I think that's why that has persisted, um, simply because, um, you know, we have, um, we have the skills. Uh, there's there's no, nothing deterministic about gender in terms of your ability to act on climate change. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about that. Um, but Camilla, you, you, you started talking about climate justice. And um, I mean, one of the problems with the climate change movement is that people feel their jobs are threatened, they feel their communities are threatened, and they don't sign up to, you know, looking at carbon emissions. And it's your view, isn't it? I suppose it's a view of the Green Deal as well, that you cannot really achieve climate reduction, tackle climate change, unless at the same time you tackle climate justice. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what's really important now, particularly, is to start um, accelerating the process of visioning, um, of, of creating examples of the kind of future that will be fairer and, and more sustainable. Um, and, and really shouting about these um, amazing projects that are succeeding in spite you know, of, our, of our political leaders rather than um, because of them. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm researching a book at the moment on um, the, 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 um, the effects of nonviolent direct action protests on the climate change debate. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing um, mainly sort of women in their 40s, 50s, really leading the march on the uh, mindset changes that we really need to put in place if we are actually going to tackle this massive undertaking very quickly and, uh, and, and with completely new ways of, of working. Um, and I'm seeing it from, you know, the perspective of uh, Gail Bradbrook, who was the, the, the founder member of the Extinction Rebellion, um, to the two executive uh, female directors of Greenpeace International, mm -hmm. to the um, majority uh, women um, in the labor leadership race, to local level where, um, you know, wherever I go, wherever I'm talking to community groups um, that are really addressing um, the, the, the sort of um, the thin end of the wedge in terms of climate change and how it impacts on local communities. It's, it's all being driven by women. And that's not to say that men aren't doing wonderful things as well. And, you know, when we connect together, um, it, that's when things really start to fizz. But I think it's the kind of selfless determination that is sort of... Um, embedded in, in the sort of female psyche more perhaps you know it's not sort of um, driven by um, career targets or um, you know uh, uh, egotism so getting their, their, their face out there it, it's actually really um, understanding the the need for bringing people together and discussing solutions and acting on those solutions. I mean, so one of the problems you face when we talk about climate justice, but at the heart of that very often is fuel poverty. Now, I mean, how can you address that? And can you address it in Lewisham, where you come from, on the scale that's needed? 
Well, I mean, absolutely. That's that's what we have have addressed and are addressing right now. Um, and uh, the the first point that we decided to work from was to establish uh, a series of energy advice cafes, uh, really through, as you said, um, Alex Hartley's um, input. And uh, that was this, we, we felt it was essential to have that one-to-one -one contact because we realized that there was a big stigma around not being able to pay your energy bills. And um, it's not something that really people really wanted to face up to or, or um, talk to anybody else about. So to set up, you know, a nice informal surroundings where we will be literally in a cafe or in a, in a library or um, in a community centre. And it will be, you know, friendly. There'll be no uniforms, no, no, no logos, but just a, a cup of tea and a slice of cake for free. But, but how do you tackle the fuel poverty? I can understand how you get together in this nice informal atmosphere, but what do you do to tackle the fuel poverty? Well, you, you listen. Oh, sorry, do you go ahead? Yeah. There's, there's a bit of a poverty tax that goes on here with energy. Um, the people who are most savvy um, get the best energy deals. They get lower prices. Um, so we help people get who are not internet savvy uh, to get the right deal for them. We'll also enable them to give grants and discounts that are available for lower income people but are not really advertised. Um, we support people with um, lowering their energy demand in their home, understanding how the heat is moving through their home, how they're using energy, how they can use it more efficiently in their homes. And lastly, we're doing a lot more work on energy efficiency. Because fuel poverty is about having high energy costs in a home that's expensive. So we've been doing a lot of work getting, uh, enabling people who are living in very, very um, energy efficient properties to get grant funding for loft, cavity wall insulation, for heater upgrades. Um, using the mechanisms that exist, using the funding that's out there, that it's just very, very difficult for people on a low income to understand how to get their hands on. Um, so, um, okay, so, so what you're saying is that you, I mean, you not only do the things you do around solar panels and so on, but you involve the community and you give advice, and you get people together to talk about their solutions and how you can help. But, you know, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, climate change, the biggest thing that's important is reducing emissions. And homes are what, or households are what, in local authority areas is often the biggest um, polluter, if you like, uh, the creator of, of, of greenhouse gases. Now, I mean, you are doing something as well, aren't you, around that? Yes. You're doing something about uh, looking at the housing stock and seeing how you can help to increase energy and, and deal with re retrofitting as well. Do you want to tell us about that? Because that's really important in terms of measuring the success of what you do. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So when we look at our local area um, and we ask ourselves, what needs to happen here to make this to make South East London a sustainable community that is fit for the future, to make it one where um, we're able to reduce uh, our emissions, we're able to operate a low carbon urban environment. There's a key change that needs to happen and it's in the fabric of our homes. Uh, and it's in the way we heat our homes. So I think it's something like 40% of the emissions uh, in, uh, in Lewisham and Greenwich come from um, houses.
uh, we have a lot of very poorly insulated housing stock. Now, so with, low in with people on low incomes, we're helping them to get grant funding to improve the fabric of their homes. For people who are not on a low income, um, we also support them. So people have for years been asking us, what can I do to reduce my own domestic emissions from my home? We've set up a service to help them answer that question. It's called Future Fit Homes, and um, we'll offer them uh, an audit uh, of their home. Um, we'll also offer them um, thermal imaging. So a lot of those, the best way you can improve the energy efficiency of a Victorian home, for example, is just plugging up all the gaps. You know, there'll be loads of drafts in one of those sort of Victorian fabric homes. So we'll go into the, uh, go into a home with a thermal imaging camera and help people to understand what they need to do. Um, do, you have, do you have experts that can help you do that? Or have you been trained yourself in doing is, that? We have, um, we have staff who, um, uh, we have a member staff who is a, a, a thermographer and also a retrofit coordinator. Now, what a retrofit coordinator does is they're able to project manage a retrofit project. So we work in partnership with an organisation called Retrofit Works. And what we'll do with a householder is we'll help them understand what they need to do through thermography or through an audit or through both. Um, and then we can offer them a service whereby we'll co we will project manage a retrofit project and um, work with, uh, we, we work with Retrofit Works who are cooperative installers to identify um, good people to do that work who will do a really good job. Um, well, that, well that, I mean, that sounds, that sounds an amazing project, but Camilla, to what, I mean, what extent of the, the, the Lewisham market do you tap to do this? I mean, is it just a small amount? Uh, and is there a lot of people out there you don't reach? And do you work with others, for example, the local authority, to replicate what you do to make it successful? Yeah, I mean, there's huge potential. Um, Lewisham Council particularly has pledged to respond to the climate emergency and be carbon neutral by 2030, which is a grand ambition. I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to give it credit for, for um, aiming for the sky. Um, and as G says, you know, that means having to retrofit a, fit, uh, a borough that has a lot of very leaky Victorian buildings in it. Um, so uh, by collaborating with the council, and we, we do already collaborate with both Greenwich and Lewisham Council on a lot of our projects, um, you know, we can really get that message across and really start to uh, encourage people to think seriously and I think the I like the, the particularly the idea of the thermal imaging going into people's homes with a camera that shows you you know these hot spots or cool spots where where the um, the drafts are coming through that visualization really sort of brings it home to people and illustrates um, what they can do uh, you know on a sliding scale um, and you know ideally it would be great if um, we could uh, do the similar, similar kind of things across the country and pressure the government into providing greater subsidies to accelerate the process. So, so does that mean you'd be happy to work in other boroughs as well? And do you work in other boroughs? Yeah, well, I think G is probably um, better. I mean, it, yes, we're, we're expanding quite, quite rapidly. Okay, well, Jean, maybe you could tell us about that. And also you could tell us a bit about the fact you're not just working on old stock, you're also looking at new projects and uh, new build as well and how they can be more energy efficient. Yeah, that's right. So yes, we will work in other boroughs. 
uh, we'd love for you to put home service. So anywhere in London, we'll go and help you with thermography, for example. Um, but um, I mean, I think we are, what, what you need to do is be nimble in this business. Energy is one of those really volatile markets. And um, you've constantly got to be thinking about what can we do next? Now, it's become a lot more difficult to do the solar uh, that we were talking about simply because the, there's no longer any solar subsidies. Financially, um, it doesn't quite work anymore. So, um, but it doesn't mean that we have to stop and go, okay, let's just, we just need to look at other ways of working. And one of the more exciting ways that we're looking at uh, at the moment is LEDs. Now, um, our schools, community centers um, and um, libraries and all of those buildings that serve public uh, a public purpose are spending far, far more than they need to on lighting because they've got old fashioned light bulbs. Now, um, that's a huge cost out there to the public sector. Um, and it doesn't need to be that way. By changing their light bulbs, they could dramatically reduce their costs. We also sell, save huge tonnage of carbon by simply changing uh, the lighting in those buildings uh, for modern um, LED lighting. So we're, we're just about to launch a, a stream of work whereby we're going out to, uh, we're, we're making an offer to community buildings in our local area. Hey, if you've got old fashioned lightings, come to us. And we'll use a model that's similar to our solar model. So we will raise, um, we will raise finance through a community share offer uh, to be able to completely retrofit that building. Um, the site will um, be able to repay the investment by, uh, by, by through a sort of pay-as-you-save model. So they'll be saving huge amounts and uh, on their lighting because they'll have modern low energy light bulbs um, and that will enable us to repay our investors with um, return on their investment. So again, it's one of those virtuous cycles that we're really keen to get going. Partly because actually if you look at the tonnage uh, of emissions you could save from LEDs, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's a really quick win and uh, we're really keen to... Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, the problems are great. The opportunities are out there are great. There are people like yourself doing some fantastic job, but we've only got something like nine or 10 years to make a difference if we're going to keep, uh, um, uh, you know, temperatures below 2% or 1.5. And, you know, nine or 10 isn't probably too long. How can you be confident that the sort of things you do and others can be scaled up. How can you convince government and local authorities they need to cooperate and develop these models? Because some of them, that, quite frankly, don't know what to do. How can you convince them? How can you scale up? Camila? Well, I think it's, it, what we've learned from being environmental activists over the last few decades is, it, is, is it's about dogged determination uh, and showing that these models work. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think the, although it's not um, visible a lot of the time, the climate change dynamics are changing quite rapidly and uh, in, in a lot of different areas. What we do know is that renewable energy, the cost of renewable energy is going down. 
And that changes the whole market dynamism. And that's what governments start to think about. That's what makes them sit up and listen. So if we can uh, utilize um, our, our knowledge of building communities, of creating um, uh, financing from community share offers like we have, and at the same time supporting you know, the most vulnerable in our communities, the ones at, at the thin end of the wedge in terms of um, the, the, the current energy economics, um, and, and just keep on pushing and keep on shouting and making as much noise as we possibly can by talking to lovely people like you uh, and the lovely um, people that are tuning into this webinar. So are you optimistic that we can do it, we can achieve it, or are you a bit worried about the consequences of what's happening? Well, for me personally, you know, I think the future is already here. Um, there are so many exciting projects that um, we have connected up as Celsi since we started, not just in the energy sector, but in um, so many different um, spheres, people that are really thinking in a different way and uh, producing most incredible solutions to the, the problems that we currently face. So, you know, it's the only people that are holding us back, ironically, are our leaders, our political leaders. And, you know, I think it's, you know, trying to make people realize that we have to bring our voices together and start making a huge amount of noise very quickly and, and push our leaders into a corner where they just can't uh, deny that the solutions that we're offering are the best way forward. Okay, so... You know, you're doing all this, which is fantastic. And we're getting close while we're pretty well at the end of this webinar now. So Giovanna, if people wanted to find out more about what you're doing, whether they're individuals, whether they're organizations, or whether they're local authorities, where do they go? How do they find out about, find out about you? And how do they make contact? Okay, we'll go to our website. Uh, our website is www.selce.com. That stands for South East London Community Energy .org .uk. Um, you'll find uh, you'll find a description of all our current work. Sign up to our newsletter, um, and you'll get updates about all the stuff we're involved in. And obviously, if you live in South East London and you want to actively be involved, a little bit more than being part of the newsletter, just um, just contact us through the website. And, and let us know. What we're trying to do is find ways of uh, involving people in the governance of all those three different areas of work. So we have three quite distinct renewables, uh, energy efficiency, and fuel poverty alleviation. And we have groups that meet um, to support those areas of work. You can get involved in those areas of work. You can come and volunteer at our energy cafes. Um, if you want to get your hands dirty at the cold base, there's no better way of understanding energy dynamics um, than, than, than talking to people about the challenges they face with their energy in their home. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I hope people do contact you. And I also hope people contact you from outside your borough who would be interested in doing what you're doing, because I think it is a great model that helps a local authority area achieve things like energy efficiency in their home, which I think for places like our borough and your boroughs, but old housing stock, that's very, very important. So thank you very much for doing this. And uh, we'll obviously turn this into a YouTube video and an audio and podcast as well. But I think you've given some really good examples of how the community from a bottom down way 
or a bottom-up way, can, um, uh, can, can make a difference. You don't go bottom-down, do you, unless you're a nuclear reactor, you go bottom-up. So in a, in a bottom-up way, they sure, can make... Sure, you think of a bottom-down way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, uh, I always get it upside-down. Anyhow, you know, <laughs> thank you very much for doing this. It's been, you know, a really good interview. And, um, you know, I wish you every success in what you're doing. So we'll stop the recording. Thanks, interview. Thanks very much now. for your interest, too. Okay. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm.